Johnson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but funny enough, baseball has been so, so, so entertaining this week. With the Astros, you know, firing their general manager, firing their manager after they were both suspended by Major League Baseball for this whole sign-stealing thing. And then the plot thickened today when it sounds like Altuve and other players might have actually been wearing devices on them while on the field that was signaling maybe what pitch was coming or what was going on. It's been wild. It's been crazy. And the Twins signed Josh Donaldson to that huge, 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 huge contract. Hopefully, maybe the Brewers would do that. But no, it's the Twins that make the move. Baseball's been a whole lot of fun. And you know what? I I don't care. I don't care. We're not going to talk a single bit about baseball today. Not at all, because the NFC Championship and the AFC Championship are coming up on Sunday. We're down to four teams left in the NFL. Four teams. So we're going to continue to preview Packers 49ers. And you know what? If Chiefs-Titans comes up today as well, we'll do a little previewing. We'll do a little bit of discussing uh, about that as well. We're doing all Packers all the time, all week long. Now just three days away from Championship Sunday. And as entertaining as watching the Houston Astros crumble, as entertaining as that is, or as entertaining as it is to me to complain about how the Brewers have not signed anyone, uh, well, I should I should correct myself, signed anyone good, they've signed plenty of players, or signed a star pitcher, uh, unlike the Twins who added Josh Donaldson, as much fun as it is to complain and to talk about that, and believe me, I enjoy complaining, uh, we're going to talk football today. We're going to be joined uh, coming up at 5.30 by Dan Casper, a uh, host of Dan Casper and the Morning Locker Room on Sports Talk 105.1 up in Eau Claire, our sister station to the north, uh, Packers historian, Packers expert, and Packers fanatic Dan Casper uh, is going to join us on the Five Star Telecom talking text line uh, coming up at 5.30. We have talked a lot this week about a, a path to victory for the Packers, right? I, I haven't checked if the line has moved. I think the Packers at one point were seven, seven and a half point underdogs. They're the underdogs in this game. They're not expected to win. They're not favored to win. So we've talked about a possible path to victory for the Packers on Sunday when they play the 49ers. We talked about what needs to happen, the difference between Jimmy Garoppolo and Russell Wilson, the difference between Pete Carroll and Kyle Shanahan. How do they stop the run game? How do they neutralize the pass rush? How do they establish a running game? How do they find Devontae Adams? How do they do this, that, the other thing? Talked about all these different ways that the Packers could win, could be competitive, or could possibly lose, and how the game could get away from them on Sunday. We've, we've covered all of that. You know what we haven't talked about? What a win or a loss on Sunday means. What is a win for the Packers on Sunday? What does it mean? What does a loss mean? And I don't know if there's one great answer to that question. In fact, I know there's not one great answer to the question because it it, it depends. Who are you talking about? What does this win or loss mean to Matt LaFleur? What does this win or loss mean to Brian Gutekunst? Or most importantly, in, in my opinion, what does it mean to Aaron Rodgers? A win or a loss on Sunday in the NFC Championship game. I think for Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, what this game means, it's it's pretty clear. It's a lot of early success. Brian Gutekunst has only been at the helm now for a couple short years. Matt LaFleur, this is his first season as an NFL coach. You could argue, and and I think you'd be right on base if you were to make this argument, that Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur have, have really exceeded expectations this year and they've done their job. And anything that happens past this point, past winning that home playoff game after the first round bye, anything past this point is is icing on the cake. 
And that might be true. I know Gutekunst and Lafleur don't view it that way. But I think that is the case. Matt Lafleur wasn't expected to be in the NFC Championship game. Certainly not in the Super Bowl. I don't know if we expected Brian Gutekunst to turn this team around or improve this team as quickly as he improved it. Not going to act like the Packers were in the cellar when they took over. But this team had some needs and Gutekunst addressed them promptly and aggressively. I think this win or loss to Matt LaFleur, to Brian Gutekunst, ah, it's it's icing on the cake at the end of a season where they definitely exceeded expectations, going 13-3 and, and and finding themselves in the championship round, one of four teams remaining. But Aaron Rodgers, that's the interesting question. Because Aaron Rodgers isn't playing in his first year, right? This isn't his first general manager job or first head coaching opportunity as it is for Gutekunst or LaFleur. He's been there. He's done that. He's already won a Super Bowl. So what does Sunday mean to Aaron Rodgers? Well, you'd have to ask him. Aaron Rodgers, to me, doesn't seem like the type of guy where things go over his head. Aaron Rodgers seems to like to get the deeper understanding, the deeper meaning of everything. He actually did a a podcast. Danica Patrick, his girlfriend, uh, actually has a podcast. It's called, oh, and now it's, it's spacing me. I listened to it when Aaron Rodgers was the guest. Pretty intense. And I also listened to Danica Patrick on an episode of Pardon My Take. That's a a, a podcast through Barstool. And it was fascinating to listen to her talk. Really, really smart. Really, really well-spoken. And interested in a lot of different things. And and then it became clear to me, okay, yeah, she actually sounds pretty similar to Aaron Rodgers. They sound kind of like two peas in a pod. Aaron Rodgers likes to get the deeper meaning of things. I've heard him talk about religion on podcasts. Right? He's met the Dalai Lama. He's visited all these different places all over the world. He seems to to like to, to be able to understand things and expand his mind. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy to take a shallow approach. And I doubt, in fact, I almost know with a certainty that Aaron Rodgers doesn't look at this upcoming game and think, eh, we'll see how it goes. Eh, win or lose, we had a good season. Aaron Rodgers is, is not that naive. He's not that cavalier. Aaron Rodgers knows what this game means to his legacy. Aaron Rodgers knows. Any quarterback can have one great magical run. And Aaron Rodgers did go on a magical run in 2010, 2011. And Aaron Rodgers has played great outside of that run, but none of those great stretches of play, you want to talk about 2014 or 2016, none of those other great stretches outside that championship year have resulted in berths in the Super Bowl. Not saying that's Aaron Rodgers' fault or not, but Aaron Rodgers has yet to make it back to the big game. Anybody can have one amazing run, right? Joe Flacco had an amazing run. Trent Dilfer had an amazing run. Nick Foles had an amazing run. And if you want to even zoom out and look at sports as a whole, any player can have an amazing stretch. Remember Gardner Minshew when we're all fawning over him and and how fun and, and, and entertaining that was down in Jacksonville? Or Lynn Sanity, Jeremy Lynn at the New York Knicks. Any athlete or player can catch lightning in a bottle for a couple of weeks or for a season and even end up winning a Super Bowl. Joe Flacco is a great example. Drew Brees is another example. Had that one great one, won that one great Super Bowl. But to do it again is really, really difficult. And to do it again, to go on another run, and to find yourself in another Super Bowl is really, really hard to do. That's what separates the pretty good quarterbacks, the really good quarterbacks, from the all-time greats. Now, Drew Brees is going to be a Hall of Famer. Aaron Rodgers is certainly going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't know about Joe Flacco. Do you think Joe Flacco is going to be a Hall of Famer? Probably not. But he won a Super Bowl nonetheless. It's it's doing it again. It's at least making it to another Super Bowl. That's what separates the really good quarterbacks, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, from the all-time greats. 
the quarterbacks you put in your top five or your top ten. When it comes to the NFC Championship game this weekend, I, I truly think the result means more than the actual performance. I think if Aaron Rodgers throws for 175 yards, a touchdown, and that's it, but they win, people are going to fawn over Aaron Rodgers. They're going to fawn over the Packers because they'll be in the Super Bowl. If Aaron Rodgers throws for 400 yards, three touchdowns, and the Packers lose, I think people will respond negatively, and I think people will criticize the Packers and criticize Aaron Rodgers. I think the result is much more important than the performance. Here's an example. Tom Brady, just a couple examples of AFC Championship game wins. These are these are championships that Tom Brady, or, or games, Tom Brady has won to go to the Super Bowl. Listen to these stat lines. 239 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. 209 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. 237 yards, one touchdown, one interception. 115 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Those are games that Tom Brady and the Patriots advanced to make the Super Bowl. Those stat lines suck. Less than 200 yards, less than 300 yards, or 200 yards in other instances. Many of those cases, more touchdowns than interceptions. In some cases, no touchdowns. Tom Brady's had some really, really bad performances in conference championship games. But his team has won. And they've advanced to the Super Bowl. And they've happened to win five of them now. Or six of them. I've actually lost count. I try to forget about what the Patriots do. But nobody criticizes Tom Brady, at least for the most part, because he's revered as the greatest of all time. He gets it done when it means the most. He does what has to be done, even if what needs to be done is only 115 yards and no touchdowns. The result on Sunday is going to be much more important, and it's what people are going to remember. Not the, not the stat line, not the amount of yards, not the amount of touchdowns. So if Aaron Rodgers is able to have another eh, kind of nonchalant performance like we've seen all season long and the Packers are able to win in advance, I don't think people will knock him because he will be back in his second Super Bowl. That second Super Bowl is so, so, so important. Now, win or lose in that Super Bowl, that'll be a discussion to have next week, right? What is a Super Bowl win versus just making a Super Bowl? The following is a test of the West Wisconsin area emergency alert system. Make the Super Bowl and lose and get your heart broken or just get it out of the way with and lose in the NFC Championship game. I've never answered a question so quickly. Absolutely make the Super Bowl. Absolutely advance. Because Super Bowl berths are an accomplishment in and of themselves. Aaron Rodgers has only made one Super Bowl. Brett Favre made two. He didn't win the second, but he made it. Super Bowl berths are important. And Aaron Rodgers now a quarterback who has been on three teams in the last six years to make NFC Championship games. 2014, in which they should have won and uh, failed to execute, got unlucky. It was a combination of a lot of factors. They end up not making the Super Bowl. Okay. And then in 2016, they make the NFC Championship game against the Falcons. And look, Aaron Rodgers should not be faulted for that game. He carried one of the worst teams I've ever seen make a conference championship game to that game. But if the Packers make it to the championship game again this weekend and once again fail to make the Super Bowl, that'll be three in a row, three in six years. Doesn't look great. Aaron Rodgers needs to make another Super Bowl. 
Win or lose that Super Bowl? Well, that's a different conversation for a different time. And I think Aaron Rodgers understands the gravity of the situation. He seems he seems like a guy who's who's pretty open-minded and wants to understand, wants to comprehend everything. He doesn't seem like the type to keep his eyes down and, and to to stay ignorant. Ignorance is bliss, right? I doubt that's Aaron Rodgers' attitude. Coming up next, before we speak to Dan Casper about this game our, from our sister station, Sports Talk 105.1, up in Eau Claire, I, I want to talk about not Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers' favorite weapon, that's Devontae Adams. There seems to be some confusion. There seems to be uh, some, some of us Packer fans seem misguided about the wide receiver situation. I want to clear that up. Coming up next, and then we'll talk to Dan Casper around the corner as well in the five-star telecom talking text line. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports. Back in a moment here on WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Hope you're having an awesome day. It is... It is freezing cold outside. Hope you're getting through that. Car's not giving you issues. Thanks for tuning in, as always. If you want to join the conversation, I would love to have you, and and I have to apologize, because during yesterday's show, I was really trying to hear from you guys. I wanted to I wanted to get you to call in, text in, because I wanted to hear your opinion, your take on the upcoming NFC Championship game. And then after the show, uh, our... Friend and uh, colleague, I guess, Rick Solom, who works on our sister station, WIZM, who will frequently join the show from time to time, came over and let me know, let me know that the phone wasn't working. So if any of you tried to if any of you tried to call or text yesterday, I apologize. You probably think I'm just a jerk because I asked you to call in and then didn't pick up the phone. Well, no, I, I wasn't ignoring you. Uh, the phone was out today. So the phone's back. Uh, and if you'd like to share your thoughts, please do. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. And coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to be joined by Dan Casper on the five-star telecom talk and text line. Uh, He is on our sister station, Sports Talk 105.1 up in Eau Claire. He hosts Dan Casper in the morning locker room. And he, I actually think he might bleed green and gold. Like if you were to cut him open, I think it would just be green and gold and cheese and beer. We're going to talk to the game. Uh, We're going to talk about the game uh, with Dan and get his feelings about the upcoming championship game on Sunday. Before we do that, I I wanted to clear the air. I wanted to to correct, uh, I think, some some incorrect takes uh, that I've heard, especially about the Packers' weapons, the wide receivers especially. I I think the Packers' running backs, I think Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are are a one-two punch just about as good as you can ask for. Is it the best in the league? Maybe, maybe not. We don't need to get caught up in that, but it's just about as good as you can ask for. The wide receivers, on the other hand, is is a different conversation. A lot of people have said throughout the last couple of weeks and months that the Packers should have traded for Emmanuel Sanders or Mohamed Sanu. They should have been more active on the trade market trying to improve uh, their wide receiver situation. Or they should have drafted this player. They should have drafted... Um, what's the Ohio State uh, um, wide receiver in Washington who I picked up on the fantasy wire because my team was uh, was absolutely terrible. Or A.J. Brown in Tennessee, right? Or Hollywood Brown, who now plays for the Ravens. There were options in the draft. Packers didn't pull the trigger. There were options on the trade market. Packers didn't pull the trigger. And I know a lot of people aren't happy about that. It would be nice to have another wide receiver on this offense. Yeah, I wouldn't have given up a second-round pick for Sanders or a first-round pick for Mohamed Sanu. My favorite take, my favorite opinion that I've heard regarding the Packers' wide receivers and their weapons uh, is from Aaron Nagler, who has been on this show, 
Uh, he was a guest on my podcast before I was hosting this show. I've been following him uh, for a long time from Sports Illustrated to Bleacher Report, the Green Bay Press Gazette, and PackersNews.com. Now he resides once again at Cheesehead TV, and he has resoundingly repeated this throughout the season. The Packers wide receivers might not be the best, but they have enough talent to win. They have enough talent. I, th- I think they have enough talent at wide receiver to win a Super Bowl. Now, might they have to get creative? Sure. <laughs> May it be easy? Probably not. But they have enough talent to win. They have enough talent to accomplish their goals. I think a, a healthy Devontae Adams this upcoming Sunday is all they need. Now, it would be nice to have Alan Lazard healthy, and, and if Valdez Scantling could pitch in, and Jimmy Graham could give you a couple catches, great. But if they have a healthy number 17, Devontae Adams, on the field this Sunday, they have enough talent to win. I want to use an NBA comparison, an NBA analogy, to hopefully kind of put this into perspective. Let's use the Bucks as an example. The Bucks are deep. They can go eight or nine players deep. They have a great bench, both up-and-coming players, young developing players, and veterans. They are deep, 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 and that's how you win games in the regular season. I've said a couple of times in the last few months, the Bucs are the best regular season team in the NBA. And it's not, like, that's not up for discussion. The, the Bucs are the best regular season team in the NBA. I, I would imagine they're going to win more games than any other NBA team. They're currently 30 games over 500. They played the Celtics tonight, by the way. That game on WKTY. The Bucs are going to win more games than any other NBA team in the regular season because of the way they're built, the depth, the young ascending players, and the veteran players that Bud can plug and play each and every night. They're going to win a lot of games. And in the regular season, that's great. But in the postseason, it becomes about stars. It becomes about superstars. That's how you win games. And that's why a lot of people think the Philadelphia 76ers are better than the Bucs because they are more of a super team. And the teams that we've seen win championships outside of Toronto the last 10 years have been Boston, Miami, Cleveland, Golden State, where superstars teamed up through free agency or through trades it wasn't built organically through the draft. It was created. And the Bucs weren't really made that way. Bucks were forged over time through the draft, through a couple of trades, through a free agent signing or re-signing in the case of Chris Middleton. In the postseason, it becomes about stars. I thought the Bucs were a better team than the Raptors last year. But Kawhi Leonard played better than Giannis. You can talk about Fred Van Vliet, yeah, and Marcus Saul. But by and large, Giannis struggled in that Eastern Conference Finals to perform the way he had performed earlier in the playoffs, and in the regular season. That's what it came down to. That's what it came down to. Now, how does this relate to football? How does this relate to the Packers? It's great to have a deep, wide receiving core. It's great. But there's only one football. And there's only so many plays. And the quarterback can only look so many places at the same time. In the postseason, it becomes about stars. I like Jake Kumaro. I think Jake Kumaro is a fine wide receiver. I like Alan Lazard. I think in the next couple of years, the Packers could really develop him into a weapon. But on Sunday, in the postseason, in the championship round, only four teams playing, it's about stars and whether or not those stars perform. And and quarterbacks are not the only player who are considered a star. Aaron Jones is going to be judged by his performance. Devontae Adams is going to be judged by his, his performance. And I think a healthy Devontae Adams is all the Packers need to get a win. Might be close. Might not be easy. But it's possible. It's possible. Adams in the Seattle Seahawks game last Sunday. Eight receptions. 160 yards. That's a franchise record. 
and two touchdowns. And at any point in that game, did you or anybody you were watching with, did you find yourself saying, man, they need to get somebody else involved. Man, get get Jay Coomer all the ball. Let's throw to somebody else. No, of course not. Because Devontae Adams was open. He was beating whoever Seattle tried to cover him with, with the exception of one play where he was bracketed and, and Bobby Wagner almost picked the ball off. Other than that play, Devontae Adams could do no wrong, was open on every play, and had two touchdowns. And at no point during that game, and don't lie to me, at no point during that game were you thinking, man, they need to get somebody else involved. Oh, man. No. Because Devontae Adams is their superstar, and they were rolling with their superstar. Because in the postseason, it's not about statistics. It's not about balance. It's not about being a complete team. It's not about being a deep team. It's about winning by any means possible. And if that means you need to target Devontae Adams 14, 15 times, then target Devontae Adams 14 or 15 times. Any way to win. That's why the last couple of days I've said in the postseason, every game is a little one-game season. And everything that happened in the past is in the past. That's why analytics people, they get so bent out of shape in the postseason. And their predictions often aren't right because the postseason is different. In the regular season, Matt LaFleur say, hey, we, we need to get Jamal Williams involved. We need to get some handoffs to him. In the postseason, man, ride the hot hand. Whoever's, whoever's running, give him the ball. Win by any means necessary. And if that means targeting Devontae Adams 15 times and asking number 17 to go for 160 and two touchdowns, then damn it, that's what they're going to do. And no Alan Lazard or Jake Kumaro or a potential Emmanuel Sanders or in the case of uh, of the Patriots, Mohamed Sanu. Ain't nobody going to be worried about that. Mm-mm. Devontae Adams is enough. They're going to have to game plan. They're going to have to run some plays to get him in space and to get him open. Don't get me wrong. But Devontae Adams is enough. The Packers have enough talent to win at the wide receiver position. Might not be easy. Might not be easy, but they have enough there. And Devontae Adams is is 90% of it. Coming up next, we're going to talk to a friend we haven't connected with in a while. That's Dan Casper. Uh, He hosts Dan Casper in the morning locker room on our sister station, 105.1, up in Eau Claire. I want to get his thoughts on the Packers so far and maybe... Talk about the Packers' path to victory. What do they got to do to win on Sunday? And maybe what a win means to Aaron Rodgers, as we talked about just a couple of minutes ago. That coming up next. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show, presented by Play It Again Sports. Talking to Dan Casper on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Hope you're having a great night. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for hanging out. You can always catch the show 96.7 FM, 580 AM, and of course, streaming live at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app as well. All Packers all the time as we're now just three days away uh, from Championship Sunday. The Packers, one of four teams remaining. So we're pulling out all the stops this week, uh, and I thought no better time to to connect or to reconnect uh, with our friend to the north, Dan Casper, uh, who hosts Dan Casper in the morning locker room on our sister station, Sports Talk 1051. Up in Eau Claire. Dan, I haven't talked to you this season. How much are you just loving the Packers winning now 14 games on the year in what, only 17 tries? You got to just be in heaven. Yeah, dude. I mean, this is, uh, I'm enjoying the ride right now. Something I don't think uh, a lot of us expected. And I know there's a few people that'll say, well, yeah, I, I picked them to go 13 and three and, you know, go to the playoffs this year, but let's, let's not kid ourselves. I don't think anybody really expected a 13 and three. Uh, second seed in the NFC division champions, literally one game away from the Super Bowl right now. And 
if I'm Aaron Rodgers, you know, I all, you know, since 2005, his famous quote of, you know, the 49ers are, are going to regret not picking me more, yeah. you know, paraphrasing that. But, you know, this is served up on a silver platter for Aaron Rodgers here to go back to Cali to knock out the 49ers from a trip to the Super Bowl. If, if he wants to stick true to his word back on draft day, he's got a heck of an opportunity in front of him. Uh, come Sunday. Aaron Rodgers, I, I like to think of it as an opportunity. That's a good way to look at it. And we actually started the show tonight. Um, I, I was talking with my listeners a little bit about what this game actually means because we've spent so much time talking about what the Packers have to do to win, uh, what players they have to focus on, this, that, and the other thing. But but a win or a loss, what it means. I, I think to Matt LaFleur and to Brian Gutekunst, they're very early on in their careers. I'm sure at this point in the season, this is icing on the cake for them. I'm sure they're not approaching it that way. But a lot of the Packers stars like Aaron Jones and Avante Adams and even, you know, David Bakhtiari's never been in a Super Bowl either. They're all doing this for the first time. Aaron Rodgers has been here before. He's done that. How do you think Aaron Rodgers approaches this game knowing that there's a little bit of his legacy on the line, a chance to make a second Super Bowl, something that Brett Favre did and, and something that he right. has to this point failed to do, whether it's been his fault or not. You can talk about 14 and 16 and, and those two failed opportunities. How do you think Aaron Rodgers approaches this game and, and, and thinks about his legacy? You know, all season he's been kind of saying, you know, I'm comfortable with my legacy. Uh, you know, he's not worried about stats or, you know, he's comfortable with his place in history. But I think he knows that this is just icing on the cake even more and this is going to add more to his legacy. We all know he... I don't know what else he can do stat-wise or what he else he can do award-wise, personal awards and, and all that. He's all about championships right now. So, you know, yesterday he said, you know, just taking it as a, as a normal week. That's what he keeps telling the guys. Prepare for it as a, as a normal week. I don't know how you can do that as a human, knowing that you're one yeah. game away from the Super Bowl. So I think he he's thinking about it quite a bit. I, I really do. And I think he's putting a lot of it on his shoulders. I mean, it was just a few weeks ago where he came out and said, you know, for us to make a run, I, I got to get hot. And I think he knows that a lot is going to depend on uh, on his play come Sunday, whether the Packers advance to the Super Bowl. And, you know, he made the comment yesterday, too, that it's a little different feeling when they went to the Super Bowl in 2010, 2011. You know, he was one of those younger guys that was trying to do it for Charles Woodson, yeah. uh, Donald Driver, and those guys. And then he said, it's, it's kind of the opposite. You know, now it's uh, these guys are coming up to me and saying, they're trying to win one for him, so he's. I think he's definitely putting a lot of it on his shoulders for this weekend. Man, that's. I, and I hadn't thought about Dan. That's that's a really cool way to look at it. I, I'm. I've said this for for weeks now. As the Packers kind of came down the stretch during the regular season, and they kind of had some underwhelming wins. I don't like to call them ugly, uh, but there were some underwhelming wins where they didn't look great, but they continued to win. And I kept saying, look. They may not be blowing you away, but if Aaron Rodgers gets hot and plays like an MVP, this team can win a Super Bowl. Well, since then, the Ravens and the Saints have been eliminated and the Patriots have been eliminated and the Green Bay Packers remain. I think Aaron Rodgers needs to have an MVP-type performance on Sunday for his team to be able to win. I think he's even got to take a step further and a step better than what he showed at home against Seattle last Sunday. What are the Packers going to need from Aaron Rodgers? Whether that's a... a if you have an idea of a, of a yardage number, what what is he going to have to do? How's he going to have to play? What what do you picture a winning performance from Aaron Rodgers looking like on Sunday, Dan? That's that's a good question. Um, I think honestly, he's got to whatever the defense gives him, he, he's got to take it. Whether that's going to be the shorter passes over the middle, 
Um, you know, I, I don't expect to see a game like we saw where in the Lions where it was for some reason the plan to just chuck the ball yeah. down the field for big yardages and all that. You know, and Devonta Adams is going to be a key in this too. I don't know if Richard Sherman is going to shadow him the whole game. You know, I was looking it up earlier today, and I'm like, well, you know, the Saints and the 49ers got into quite of a shootout, and the Saints have a pretty good receiver in Michael Thomas, and Michael Thomas had 11 catches in that game. So, I mean, there is ways to get Devontae the ball, but, you know, if, if they're going to do a good job on Devontae and, and double-team him or, or something, then it's up to Aaron that he's going to have to trust his other receivers. He's going to have to trust his other playmakers out there and try to get them the ball, whether, you know what, if he is a little nervous with Geronimo, or MVS. You know what? If Devontae's going to be taken out of that game, it's going to be up to Aaron Rodgers to unleash that and give that ball to to some other guys, whether he doesn't, whether he has 100% trust with him or not. So, you know, yardage-wise, I I don't think you're going to see 300 yards. I mean, if you get 250, I mean, even a similar stat line to to Seattle's game, I think that's going to be enough. And uh, a lot of it's going to come down to the trenches, too. Uh, I think this yeah. is going to be decided both sides of the ball for the offensive lines and the defensive lines, too. So this is I don't I don't see a, a blowout by any means, but I totally agree with you. I think if the Packers are going to win this game, a lot of it has to come from number 12 in this game, which is kind of weird to say because he is Aaron Rodgers, yeah. and you expect that. But I think we kind of saw him play this year, and I think a lot of it has to do with that scheme that he's playing with, too. It's not the old Aaron Rodgers. And that Mike McCarthy offense. Well, let's talk about the new offense. Dan Casper uh, from Sports Talk 105.1 up in Eau Claire joining us on the five-star telecom talking text line. Dan, I actually thought last week uh, in that divisional round game against Seattle, I thought Matt LaFleur had one of the more impressive coaching performances of the year. And I thought the Fox broadcast did a really good job of pointing out, I think through the first 24 plays, it was split even 12 to 12 run pass. And I think even through the Mm -hmm. next 24 plays at the 48 play mark, it was split. 24-24, 24-24, like there was an obvious game plan to stay balanced and to get Devontae Adams the ball. I thought Matt LaFleur was really impressive. And that whole offensive staff, right? Everybody who plays a part, Nathaniel Hackett and Luke Getze, everybody that, that that puts their fingerprints on that offense. Do you think Matt LaFleur is outcoached by Kyle Shannon? Because remember, this is Kyle Shanahan's first run as a head coach as well. He's been there. He's been in those right. moments as a coordinator. But how do you see the coaching dynamic going? Because it's it's kind of weird. These two guys are friends, like they've worked together, and now they're matching up both in their first playoff experience as a head coach. How do you see that going? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, there's a lot of connections across both coaching staffs. If you think about it, we know Matt's brother is the passing game coordinator. Uh, LaFleur was the quarterback's coach for Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. Kyle Shanahan was Mike Pettin's offensive coordinator in Cleveland. So, I mean, there's a lot of you know connections right there. And you look at that regular season game, and it sure looked like it was big brother beat up on little brother, referring to Kyle Shanahan uh, over Matt LaFleur. And Matt LaFleur's best friend from Central Michigan is the 49ers defensive coordinator, Robert Sala. So, I mean, they, you got to know that they probably understand each other and they like their tendencies and they know what they like to do best. So that's where I think a lot of this is to come down to fundamentals, do your job to quote Bill Belichick and, you know, not try to get too cute or anything like that. And I think that's where you, if you look at that regular season game, there was a lot of just, you know, fundamental errors and missed assignments and and all that. But uh, I do think it was a nice wake up call too, for, you know, if Matt LaFleur did kind of get caught up in the limelight of his brother and, you know, going up against his old boss and, and his best friend, maybe it was a nice reality check, a little gut check there and really, you know, said, okay, let's calm down a little bit. Let's refocus, regroup. And I'm expecting at least a little bit of a closer uh, 
closer game coming this Sunday. Yeah, I, I think most people are. Let's let's talk about that that gut check maybe that the Packers received off of that buy in San Fran. Dan, I I was talking with a coworker and he he kind of has like a pessimistic uh, attitude towards the Packers, right? And and I don't know if I'm optimistic or pessimistic, but I always try to push back and and try to you know play the other side of the coin, maybe devil's advocate to him a little bit. And and the Packers went 13 and three, and a lot of people didn't think that they were impressive or as dominant as some teams like the Ravens or the Saints. Or, and those two teams have since been eliminated. Do you think the fact that the Packers have had to win different ways and for the lack of a better term, play ugly at points. Do you think that helped them in the regular season? Because Dan, I think if you look at championship teams, yeah, they tend to have a pretty good record and maybe a first round buy in some home playoff games, but throughout the regular season, they also have some tough losses. I think that you learn from and you get better from. The Super Bowl year in 2010 was a great example because they lost in back-to-back weeks, I think to Washington and Miami. And I've always remembered that. A season can't go too perfectly, or I, or I think a team isn't prepared for adversity, and it can't go too poorly, or you're going to miss the playoffs. Do you think the Packers have kind of struck that like that Goldilocks zone? They had to win some games ugly. Do you think that performance in San Francisco earlier this year and, and others like it kind of helped mold this team and, and, and put them into the shape they are now? Yeah, that, that's a that's an interesting point. And you know, Mike Patton today, kind of, you know, after that 49ers game, I, there was a players only meeting. The players called a meeting, especially on the defense, and and kind of talked about what was going wrong and the miscommunication uh, on the defense. And Mike Patton had a good quote today because he was asked if he liked the fact that the players had an only a players only meeting. And I'm going to kind of paraphrase it here because I don't know it word for word. I just saw it today, but he said, yeah. you know, bad teams don't have, you know, good players, or you know, average teams have coaches that lead but great teams have players that lead. And I thought that was a great, high, uh, nice quote there, especially those last two. Average teams have coaches that lead. Great teams have players that lead when he was talking about uh, the, that players-only meeting. So, I, yeah, I, I, I can see where you're coming from where, especially when a first-year head coach, too, you know, if, if everything's going gravy, if everything's yeah. going smooth, and you're winning by two touchdowns, three touchdowns, you might get a little complacent, especially if you're the play caller. Uh, and, and whether it's offense or defense. And, you know, I used to be a guy that would always say a loss is never a good thing, and I still kind of believe that. But watching, uh, I don't know if you watched any of the episodes from uh, NFL Top 100 and Bill Belichick was on there, and he was actually, or I believe it was the Nick Saban one. It was a Nick Saban documentary with Bill Belichick. He made the comment about their undefeated season that, in retrospect, it might have been better for them to lose a game. Yeah to, you know, kind of keep it, you know, refocus and regroup and keep their eye on the prize. And I thought that was telling coming from a guy like Bill Belichick. So you kind of relate it to these instances with the Packers where a lot of these games, yeah, they're call them ugly, call them close. But for a first-year head coach and a second-year play caller, that's the thing. Matt LaFleur's only calling plays for his second year. It kind of keeps everything, you know, in check and doesn't let you lose your focus because these are ugly and close wins. Well, and I think, look, the Packers are a great example. They go 15-1, and one, they get bounced in the first round of the playoffs, and then in 2010, yep. they barely squeak in, and they've learned how to play in those close games. So I think a, a loss is never a good thing, I agree, but sometimes you got to find the, the positives in the loss, and, and maybe it takes some time uh, to gain perspective. Last question, Dan, because like, I've been excited to talk to you all day. I, I, I left plenty <laughs> of space. I got one more question. Um, I, I don't know if you if you saw, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, uh, Jason Wildey put out a piece with The Athletic that referenced Mike Pettin, referenced Aaron Rodgers, and talked about players who are selfless and who have really embraced sometimes lesser roles on this team. Jamal Williams and Mercedes Lewis, uh, Kyler Fackrell, another example. 
we all know about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Maybe what is one or two players that that maybe you're going to fly under the radar a little bit that, that could really impact the game on Sunday? Who do you think those those unsung heroes, those difference makers, could be outside of the superstars we know? Ooh, that's a that's a good question too. I think Mercedes Lewis uh, could be one there. I'm, you know, this might be a game for him where you keep him in line a lot, you know, as a blocker, and then maybe he kind of squeaks out for those short passes if there's nothing there. Sure. Uh, because I mean, you, you, he's very pretty reliable, and we know Aaron Rodgers trusts him too. So maybe he can be a, a quiet guy like that. Uh, Jamal Williams, I don't know how much carries he's going to get because you know Aaron Jones seems to be, you know, they're they're unleashing him since they preserved a lot of his carries in the regular season. Ah, but, uh, you know, quite, I, I look on the offense and I'm trying to see, is there somebody else that can step up? Maybe it's a Sternberger who sure. you know, is getting some more playing time or, you know, cause you didn't see a whole lot of Robert Tanyan. So I guess if I had to pick a quiet guy, Oh, I might look at Mercedes Lewis or Sternberger on offense. And I'm going to go Tremont Williams on defense. Heck I yeah. know he's kind of a big name, but you don't hear a whole lot about him this year. And he's, Pro Football Focus, I know I have my issues with Pro Football Focus once in a while, but they rank him as a top 20 quarterback this year, and he's kind of flown under the radar. And I love the I love Jermon Williams because he's been there before, right? He's played on different teams. He's yep. played in postseason games, and he is a guy that I trust. He's a guy who's figured it out, right, and has figured out how to play at a high level even at his age. And I love the Mercedes Lewis idea because I think he's going to be involved in the blocking game, or at least he should be. So a couple catches here and there where he sneaks past the defense, that could definitely be a difference maker on Sunday. Dan, I know, like me, that you will probably be pacing and very nervous, although I don't know how you watch Packer games. But I hope you enjoy <laughs> the game on Sunday, and I hope we're, we're talking and we're getting to enjoy uh, a Packers trip to the Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks. I hope. But thanks for the time, man. Hope to talk soon. Yeah, let's do this again soon. Thanks, thanks, uh, thanks, Grant. Yeah, thanks, Dan. I hope all is well uh, up in Eau Claire. That's Dan Casper. Uh, from the morning locker room uh, on our sister station, 105.1, up in Eau Claire. Our neighbors to the north, and I know Dan is going to be much like me, pacing uh, and very, very antsy during this game. And I like the Mercedes Lewis idea. I I, I hadn't thought about that. Because Mercedes Lewis, they're probably going to keep him in line to block, and just maybe he sneaks out for a couple of passes. Who knows? Well, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show, continue to preview Packers 49ers. Coming up next, final segment of the Wisco Sports Show, presented by Played Against Sports, right here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Bucks do play the Celtics tonight on WKTY. And as our friend Zach Heilpern said, looking to avenge uh, that loss from earlier this season. Remember, the Bucks had a huge lead in the second half and just couldn't hold on against Kemba Walker and company. That game was in Boston tonight. We'll be at Pfizer Forum. We'll be at home. And two of the best teams in the East, two of the best teams in the NBA. Matching up. So I got plans. I'm watching that game tonight. I am very excited. Tomorrow, we're not slowing down. The basketball gets even better. Central on Alaska in a game that could very well decide later on in the season who sits atop the Mississippi Valley Conference, Central and on Alaska. I had a, uh, I have a friend who is a sports photog for one of the, the news stations, and they often go shoot footage at practice, right? And he was in there the other day for the Onalaska practice, and he said you could just you could feel the intensity. Like, you know that when these two teams play each other, like even a, a nonchalant practice, an early-in-the-week practice, there, there is an energy with this matchup between Onalaska, uh, Onalaska and Central. So I'm very excited tomorrow night. Drew Kelly will have the call. I will bring you the video stream 
uh, live at WK2iSports.com on our mobile app and all of our social platforms as well. So you're going to want to be tuned in for that game. The gym is going to be packed. So if you don't want to deal with parking, you don't want to fight for a spot, just sit at home and watch. We'll bring you all the action tomorrow night. Uh, Drew Kelly will also call the first game uh, of that doubleheader as well. So he'll be taking over tomorrow right before 6 o'clock. And then the video stream will start up for the game just after 7 o'clock. Uh, Dan Casper joined us from Sports Talk 105.1, our sister station up in Eau Claire. And he talked about something that I hadn't really considered uh, and, and hadn't really thought about. And that is Aaron Rodgers, considering his legacy, considering what this possible birth to a Super Bowl would mean for his legacy. He brought up something really interesting, and I didn't think about this. Early on in Aaron Rodgers' career, right in 2010, Aaron Rodgers and some of the other younger players on that team were playing to get a Super Bowl for Donald Driver, Charles Woodson, Nick Collins, right? Some other veteran players on the team. He brought, he mentioned uh, Howard Pickett, or Ryan Pickett, Howard Green, Chad Clifton, Scott Wells. Veterans who were not necessarily on their last legs, but they were enjoying one of their final seasons as an NFL player. I know Scott Wells went on to play for the Rams and 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 other players moved around, but one of the last big shots for a lot of those players in 2010 to go get a ring, and Aaron Rodgers and some of the younger younger players were playing for those guys. Now, almost 10 years later, it's the other way around, right? Young players like Aaron Jones uh, and, and Jamal Williams and Devontae Adams playing now for Aaron Rodgers, right? Trying to get him that last opportunity or one of his last opportunities to a berth in the Super Bowl. That was pretty cool. I hadn't thought about that. And, and I appreciate Dan uh, for bringing a little bit different perspective and a little bit insight. And I also loved what he had to say about Mercedes Lewis. I asked him, you know, we, we talked about Aaron Rodgers, talked about Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. Maybe under the radar, what player could have a big impact for the Packers on Sunday? And I think Mercedes Lewis makes a whole lot of sense. Number one, because he's a veteran and Aaron Rodgers trusts him. And I assume Matt LaFleur trusts him as well. But the Packers are going to have to get creative in blocking Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and D Ford and Mercedes Lewis should definitely be a part of that game plan. I guess we don't know for certain until Sunday's game actually starts, but I would imagine Mercedes Lewis is going to play some snaps in line at tight end, almost like another tackle to help with Nick Bosa and D Ford and that pass rush. And you know what? At some point, Mercedes Lewis is going to hit that block and go out for a pass. And I can't imagine Robert Sala and that San Francisco 49ers defense is keying on Mercedes Lewis. They're going to be focused on Aaron Jones and Jimmy Graham after last week. And of course, Devontae Adams. Mercedes Lewis could possibly come up with a couple of catches that that tilt this game. And I want to revisit this idea. I mentioned it yesterday. Bart Winkler brought it up on Tuesday when we talked to him. Yeah, these games are three hours long. And they're four quarters, 15 minutes apiece. There's an hour of game time, but... When you break it down, when you really look at it, there's only about 11 to 15 minutes of actual game time. These games are decided by a couple of plays here and there. A couple turning points can decide a game. One play, an early fumble, an early interception can completely swing the direction of a game. And I think it's completely realistic to imagine Mercedes Lewis or a player of his of his stature, a little bit under the radar, making a couple of plays that completely make the difference in this game. Completely make the difference. Now, of course, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to be good. Aaron Jones is going to have to be productive. Devontae Adams is going to have to be productive. But even with all that, the Packers still are, are seven-point underdogs. It's going to take a performance here or there from a player who you might not expect. Dan brought up Mercedes Lewis and Tremont Williams. Because apparently Kevin King can't catch an interception. And Jair Alexander has struggled with it as well. Maybe it'll take 
the crafty veteran, Tremont Williams, to finally haul in one of those interceptions. He certainly did it in 2010 during that postseason run, and it's it's certainly not unrealistic to imagine him doing it again uh, in, in what might be one of his last trips to the postseason uh, upcoming this Sunday. Bucks Celtics tonight, 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock tip here on WKTY. Bucks Celtics do the best teams in the NBA. It should be compelling, awesome, and hopefully a competitive game because we haven't seen that with the Bucks as of late. Tune in, enjoy. I'll be back tomorrow to preview the upcoming championship game one last time. Same time, same place tomorrow. Talk to you then.